When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Real GM Radio. I am Daniel, we're your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. My guest is Mo DeKeel of The Athletic NBA Show, he writes for Bleacher Report, One Mo Thing, so many great different elements, and I love talking with Mo. Conversation starts with the Clippers and some of what's going on there, but then we get into a really fascinating place in terms of talking about the role of the regular season, coaching, some of the organizations, coaches, teams that are doing a really good job overall, and and what you could take from that moving forward, and thought it's a really great conversation. Brought to you by betonline.ag. Use the CLNS50 promo code to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. This pod's a little bit on the shorter side because I caught Mo between different <laughs> obligations. It's when we both had a window, but I, I really love the content here and I hope you will too. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm always happy to come on, Danny. Anytime I get the message from you in the inbox, I'm like, ooh, I get to talk to Danny today. It's great. Yeah, I apologize. It's usually short notice, but I, you're a great person to talk to. And you you watched the Clippers game last night. Nate and I were, were doing King's Thunder, so I didn't watch as much of it. But it's the early goings of the Westbrook part, but also, of course, you still have Kawhi and Paul George and all these other elements in play. We're naturally looking at this through an April, May, June lens. How are are you seeing the Clippers right now? I mean, I'm to be honest, Danny, I probably couldn't be more down on them than I've been in a while. Like I'm, I'm pretty disappointed with watching the way they navigate things. Like even this game, you know, there was a, a, a moment where uh, a wired segment where Ty Lue is literally begging the team to play hard. And when you have a team of veterans that considers themselves champions and, 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 and uh, uh, going for a championship, consider themselves contenders. If your coach has got to beg you to play hard, like that's a, that's a massive red flag, you know? And I, I, I know we're going to get into the whole Russ stuff, but I think their issues go much deeper than just, oh, we signed Russell Westbrook. I think there's a fundamental lackadaisical, arrogant attitude within this organization that is carried onto the court, and I think it's really doing them a massive disservice. To add on to that, it is a lot more egregious when a team is having effort, let's call them effort issues, when you have so much to play for. This is not a circumstance where, oh, it's the dog days, we're pretty locked into our seed. They're in the middle of this West just cluster where every single game matters an absolute ton, not only in terms of solidifying playoff position, but potentially getting home court for a series, maybe getting a more favorable matchup. And you have to be able to get up for games like this. And one of my frustrations, the game I watched more recently of the Clippers was that epic against the Kings. And what struck (laughs) me there is 
how often the Clippers shot themselves in the foot. Like there were there were a couple of terrible Paul George turnovers. I believe those were late in regulation, and there were you know they were up six in both overtime periods, and then you know one ended in a tie, one ended in a Kings eventual victory. And I'm not saying teams need to play conservatively. I, I'm generally pretty vehemently opposed to that. But there's a difference between playing conservatively and playing intelligently, and understanding that getting a shot up, getting back on defense, engaging, working for a good shot, that those will help. And I mean, that's part of why the Clippers have had some of these super weird collapses. Yeah, I mean, just going back to that game, it was four straight turnovers that really got the Kings back into that game in regulation. It was Russell Westbrook turning the ball at half court after trying to to almost force uh, transition possession wasn't there and then got in trouble it was Paul George getting completely picked by De'Aaron Fox and then and then the next possession down he comes down and throws a absolutely lazy pass cross court that gets picked off by I think Malik Monk and then they they have a turnover on the inbounds with Norman Powell but just it's it's so much shooting themselves in the foot that I just kind of watch them going like what are what are we doing here like I don't understand the 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 breakdowns that we're having as a team across the board like this is just one of those things it's I have had issues with the way Ty Lue has coached this team this year I've had issues with their their whole philosophy of the regular season which isn't like okay if Russ goes to a situation where there's a structure and everybody knows their roles okay there's a chance of success you just have to work around figuring out how to make it work around Russ or or, or work Russ into the system these guys don't know their roles on a nightly basis because they don't know when Kawhi is going to play they don't know when PG is going to play there was no continuity in into it and then they throw this massive piece in Russ which no matter what is going to require adjustments from players on how they're going to operate on the court with him and I think it's just like you put yourselves even in a, in a worse situation I'd have been higher on this team Danny if they didn't make the move for Russ like I like the moves they made at the trade deadline but I knew at the deadline I said they're going to sign Russ and it's going to throw everything away it has been concerning and I have some hope that Ty Lue and Lawrence Frank are seeing this early enough that they can make some adjustments. But, you know, they brought in Russell Westbrook for a reason, and he has he still has talent. He still has a lot of, you know, history with the league and with the players of the league, including reportedly Paul George, which is how he came in. And, I mean, we saw it last night, and I, there were elements of this a little bit in the Kings game as well, where one of the ways that Russell Westbrook can be detrimental to a team, and Ty Lue does, like, there, there are ways that you can handle this, but they're they're difficult, is, okay, let's say that Minnesota or Sacramento or whoever is doubling Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, who has generally played well in, in their last, in their, in the, the stretch. Okay, how are you going to make them pay? The Clippers, a couple years ago, they had one of the better shooting seasons we can remember, which was really impressive. And guys, they can get downhill, they can create advantage. He do it well if you're doubling off of Russell Westbrook he can't he's generally not going to make that shot he'll take it a fair amount he'll do that and then he's very comfortable driving into crowds and and bad things can happen there and so you think about those core concepts and, and like for me when you're team building you start at the the foundation you start at the the like the best players on your team and then you build out from there and so you think about oh well if this guy gets doubled if you do that how are they going to share the ball who makes sense with that concept offensively and defensively and 
I thought Terrence Mann did a really nice job there. Like Terrence Mann, he's, you know, he's not a perfect player by any means, but he makes sense with that vision of, okay, you need somebody near these players who can be aggressive, who can help key things, but also isn't taking as much off the table because the good thing about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is that they put a whole lot on the table. Right. Like how much do you really need around those guys? And I know the the Clippers have been searching for a point guard for forever, and that's what brought them to to Russell Westbrook. But I'm I'm just Terrence Mann should be starting for this team. And he should be starting in place of Russ. Like him with Kawhi and Paul George is has been very productive. And I think that's an important thing that like gets overlooked a lot in this stuff. Yeah, he has holes in his game. He's not a traditional point guard, all of that stuff. But really, you just need a dude that can bring the ball up to court and get it to Kawhi or PG. Because it's not like the Clippers run that many sets, which is they don't. a whole other issue. <laughs> which, I mean, it's, it's, it drives me nuts in that sense. A lot of it is isolation, isolation, isolation. And everybody gets a turn except for Zubac. Um, and I think that's their, their, their philosophy with it. I think it's just, you know, now that you have Russ in there, and it's not. It wasn't just Paul George. Tyloo campaigned for him. It was, you know, they they had the the meeting with Russ and Kawhi and Paul George, and they would figure out how to make this work kind of situation. Which I'm just like, man, Le- they didn't learn from LeBron and AD, who literally had the same exact meeting. And and it's you know, last night's game was a great example of it. There was a possession down the stretch. It was in train. It was like early transition. Paul George brings it up. The Wolves do a great job getting back on defense. George kicks it up to to Westbrook. And then immediately, whoever was guarding George goes into denial. Anthony Edwards is guarding Kawhi and goes into denial. And now it's basically Russ going like, cool, I got to create now. And you settle for a jumper in the uh, a mid range jumper fade away in the paint over two two defenders from Russ make or miss that's a terrible shot and mm-hmm. a terrible possession and it, and and on that possession it ended up being a miss even if he made it it's a bad shot it's not what you want it's not what you're looking for and I think that's those are the problems they run into with him you know and 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 should be said like a couple possessions later he made a big three for them which was huge but also a shot where I'm like I don't know if I feel comfortable Russ taking. And if I'm the defense, I'm like, I'm going to live with that because it's not Paul George or Kawhi killing me. If Russ goes off, cool. And in the playoffs, I don't think he could do that in a four game series, assuming they get into the top six. It's such a great point, and it's going to be hard to reconcile for the Clippers the rest of this year and, and potentially moving forward. And you're, we're running into these circumstances now. I think, broadly speaking, Lawrence Frank has done a good job. I think that Steve Ballmer's willingness to spend has allowed the Clippers to have an overall talent level. And some of my concerns early in this season that the players they brought in just weren't as good, I think some of that has eased as, as players have gotten healthier. Some of it, I mean, there's still some guys that are just, it's just a little bit weird, like Robert Covington. And that happens. You know, like that's part of the luxury of being willing to spend an ungodly amount is that you can have players functionally wash out and still survive it. Um, and that's fortunate in, in some respect. And players are also going to do that at times. You know, it's, it's something that happens, especially if you're relying on guys in their 30s. And so how you fill the gaps and how you theorize the team in your rotations is extremely important. Even if you have a lot of talent, you still need to put them in the right position to succeed. And that and Nate's brought this up before with Ty Lue, that I he gets praised, including by me, for making good playoff adjustments. But sometimes that comes from starting in the wrong place. And I think the Russell Westbrook part of this so far is another example of that. There may be other pressures involved, but the idea of having Russ find his way with this team in the early part and then you see where things are as opposed to thrusting him in the starting lineup and being like yay we're gonna we're gonna try to figure this all out in five games when we need to give ourselves the best chance to win like it's a very different philosophy yeah and i just think they're 
their problems, again, I think it goes a lot deeper than just Russ. Like, I'm not trying to blame Russ for everything. I think there's just been a lot of – it started since they brought in Kawhi and basically turned the organization over to Kawhi and saying, like, in the sense of you decide when you play, you decide everything, that's, you know, whatever. And then Kawhi has done that. Like, Kawhi is one of the few players I don't defend when it comes to load management because I feel like a lot of times he just decides at the last second I'm not playing tonight. And that throws the coaching staff and and the whole team in in disarray for, for that game. And I think there's a lot of issues in that. And I think, again, it was their arrogance. I won't forget it. It was really early in the Kawhi Paul George era. And they still had Trez. They still had Patrick Beverly. They still had Lou Williams. They had that really fun team that everybody loved the year before, before they made those moves. And I'm sitting in a press conference with uh, uh, Big Waz, Wozni Lambray. And, you know, Doc starts talking. And this is like December. It's Doc starts talking about how they don't need to rush anything. They're, 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 they're focused on the playoffs and things like that. I just leaned over to Waz and said, this team's not going to do it. You know, I said, they're, they're, they're being disrespectful to the regular season and the importance of the regular season, which, you know, forget about everything else we talk about. The value of the regular season for teams isn't even about winning or losing at this point. It's about building your philosophy and your continuity so that when it becomes moments in the playoffs, when you're tested, your guys are going back to good habits. And I think they they weren't even allowing themselves to build good habits because they weren't even having their team on the floor. And there's a value in, you know, when you make this rotation, the guy there is going to make his rotation to cover for you and so on and so so forth. But what tends to happen is you're so, when you're uncomfortable and you don't know these guys, you make the rotation and somebody else misses the rotation, then you don't make the next rotation and so on. And you don't build that continuity and that trust. And I think that's been the problem for the Clippers the past four years is they've been unable to do it. And yeah, Kawhi's been injured for some of it with serious injuries and things like that. But all of this has led to where we're at now with them where it it feels like every time they play, it's the first time they've played together. That's fascinating, and I want to turn it to something I think you'll find interesting. So you brought up how the Clippers have been bad in their respect. I completely agree with you. What franchises or specific seasons this year stand out to you as teams that have done the right job here, that have, have approached it the right way, that are setting, whether that table is a big table because they might make the finals or a smaller one because of the talent that they have? What teams do you think have used this regular season really well? I Honestly, I think the Bucks. I mean, it's, it's easy to just look at the top of the standings and I won't just do that but the Bucks and the Celtics for sure because I feel like those guys play and if they can't they're, they're injured they don't play but there's not a lot of load management there's not a lot of nights off for Jason Tatum who's carrying a massive load we we know Giannis has the injuries we know the Bucks have been plagued by injuries with everything that they're doing but they're beginning to get back into form but they've also had continuity because the majority of that team's been together and hell won a championship together you know so they have that that base level in that I think you know it's it's complicated and they're not perfect, but I think the Warriors have done a pretty good job based on their continuity and how they've handled the regular season so far. And injuries have really kind of derailed them with a lot of that stuff. It's, it is something, it's a great question. If you go by organization to organization, a lot more do it wrong than do it right. But the ones that do it right are the ones that we're talking about, you know, towards the end of the the playoffs, you know, are in the final four or in the mix in that regard. And I think that's an important aspect of team building and organizations that we don't focus on enough. One that stands out to me that's not at the top of the standings is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And you can get to the basics of, you know, like how is this team like roughly 12th in defense when they're supporting talent, especially because they're playing a lot of four spacers at the five. 
because they kind of have to to make this offense work. And when I watch them, I see a team that is active, aggressive, and very interconnected on defense. And generally, that is a key to outperforming your overall defensive talent. So I think that for the Thunder, that's in some ways even more important than some of these more fringy teams because Mark Dagnall and the the Thunder organization are not doing this as much for this year, though they are. They have been very competitive, especially over the last couple months. It's more setting the table, building the culture for moving forward. And Shea Gildas-Alexander buying in so much more defensively than he did at other points in his career, including as a member of the Thunder early on, makes a huge difference but also just getting you know Kenrich Williams has been huge for them the rookies are generally at least they're fighting they're not necessarily hit making everything work and so you can use that as an idea of you know hey maybe they're not going to win 50 games this year they might not make the play in depends on how the middle part of this west goes but you see the way they play you see and you you think about how their talent will improve internally cap space draft picks moving forward and of course you can consolidate those into other players if you want and i'm getting more encouraged by where this will go yeah i'm fascinated by them in the sense of i want to see how they finish the season out because they have a history of not finishing seasons sure you know what i mean and, and it's <laughs> in, like, in a I, lot of different ways yeah, right and and, and and you know we know all the reasons and and all of that stuff i love what they've done so far in the season like danny the, the thing for me for young teams like even uh, them orlando like those are two teams i'm looking at how they finish the season because for what i believe matters so much is for young teams playing games that matter in march and april i don't know if either of these teams will make the play in tournament i don't know if they even have much of a chance to make it but i want them to try and i want them to push for it they're they're pretty much out of the web yama race i feel like you know in terms of the, the the teams that are trying to lose are doing a very good job of losing and you're not uh, going to catch them now yeah you know at this point so i want you to just go for it because the value for young players to play important games that matter in march and april is is huge and i think you know the this is a, a look at what Matt happened for phoenix you know even in the bubble where like they didn't have much of a chance to make the play in the bubble they went eight and oh and then look what it did for them the next year obviously they made a big trade and got chris paul and added pieces but it mattered for those those other guys on the team look at memphis who's kind of done the growing pains and kind of walked up the ladder slowly but surely but have gone on every step i want these teams to start climbing the ladder instead of just sitting down and and, and pulling the guys together before they 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 build the ladder i think this is the important aspect of it and you know while you were talking it and it's just funny when you look at take the the playoff run that okc made in the when they had chris paul in the bubble and things like that but since then there's not been a lot of games for shea gilgis alexander in march and april and and when he was in those games those games didn't matter you know and 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 it allowed you to have that lackadaisical attitude of hey man like we're just gonna go out there play play loose cool you might win some you might lose some but they didn't have any stakes on it now they have games that that have some stakes to it and i really want them to try so i just want to see how they finish it out like this would be the conversation for us to talk about to, to circle back to at, at, after summer league at the end of the season or something to discuss it but i want to see how those teams handle it. and same for orlando you got young guys they need to learn how to win it's such a valuable piece that can't be that can be overlooked often but i think it's really important that these guys need to learn how to win and i think that's now now's a great season to do it lots more to discuss with mo dekeel but first a message from betonline.ag BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, NHL, and more – 
you will always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to the website today or use your mobile device and use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, make sure to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards at betonline.ag, where the game starts. A team that's kind of in partially a similar boat, but has, of course, had more success this year is the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I've really liked what J.B. Bickerstaff has done overall. And we, at times, all of us, whether whether it's analysts or fans or anything else, understate how difficult it is to incorporate a really good player into a mix. And so getting Donovan Mitchell in there, Donovan Mitchell has been great this season. He's also engaged more defensively, but they're they're doing a lot right. And I think defensively, the Cavs understand what they do, what they do well. And then offensively, they're still working on the ecosystem, but it's been better overall than I expected. The interplay of Garland and Mitchell is is improving, and they're building out the functional depth. I, I wish they had better options at small forward. Still, though, overall a capable rotation and a well-coached team. Yeah, I mean, they're they're one of those teams you watch and you're just like, I'm excited for them for the next few years because I think Evan Mobley's going to hit another level. I really hope so, especially because, you know, as an SC alum, I need some more SC folks to start killing in the league a little bit. Um, the uh, But I think they will build out their rotation in the offseason and things like that. To We know they have the massive hole at the three spot. We know that they, they can use more depth and things like that. But this is a team that's going out there and doing it on a nightly basis. I love Garland. Mitchell's been awesome. And, and like you said, more engaged defensively now than he's been probably since his rookie year and I think you know Mobley Jared Allen all of those guys are great you know they're getting some good stuff from Isaac Okoro it's just how confident do you feel like you could depend on that when they get to the playoffs and things like that because that's going to be wide open shots and will he be confident enough to just let those shots fly let alone make them I think those are all important things I love that team and I love the way they've kind of built themselves up in the process of it and you know some of it was yeah they were bad they got some draft picks it worked out you know and and they've really kind of killed the game since then and even last year's team was fun you know with marking in at the three and 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 Mobley and and, and Allen like I was shocked that Mark could play the three I was I thought that was a mistake and they've they've done a great job and I think you know Bickerstaff's really kind of coached the hell out of this team it's exciting to watch the a team change forms but still maintain a lot of that identity and you I mean going from marketing is one of the key pieces and marketing's had such an unbelievable season to Mitchell a lot of changes for the players for the coaching staff and they also you know had to integrate Ricky Rubio midseason and then everything that's happened with Kevin Love which is so bizarre where you know he's six man of the year candidate last year was doing pretty well and then was battling injuries and then fell out and then is now on a completely different team like it's a lot to navigate and I, I think they've done they've done a pretty good job and I've loved Mike Brown's job overall in Sacramento and Nate and I were talking about this because we we're doing that broadcast yesterday and like and we also for we've been doing awards the last couple days as well and it's like well yes the Kings per cleaning the glass they're 24th in defense right now and I think the dunks and threes uh, opponent adjusted one is pretty similar to that as well 
Um, but that also isn't too far off of what I would expect for them based on their talent level. And they've been absolutely spectacular on offense in ways that are beyond even what I would have expected with, I mean, with the growth of Sabonis, the growth of De'Aaron Fox and the shooting that they put around them. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that's like, they've, have, they've answered the bell every time, you know, and, and, or, or turned on the beam. I don't know. I can't come up with a good analogy for the, the beam. The beam's awesome, by the way, it but is. the, 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 but every time, like, just look at that Clipper game. That's a game, team, 99% of the time, teams give up at the end, right? Like, it was a big lead. It, you know, it was enough. The Clippers were up 14 points with four, four minutes left. And they, and, and, and a lot of teams, even coaches, would be like, hey, rest of the guys, you know, live to fight another day type deal. They kept playing. They kept going. And then they forced this damn thing and they win it in double overtime. Like, that's impressive with a lot of the stuff that they, they've done. And that's kind of been them this season is this team has had more fight to them this year than I think we've seen God in like what 10 years like I, I couldn't even remember the last time they've they hang in games they're they're absolutely phenomenal at the end of games De'Aaron Fox I mean shoot he probably should win that clutch award he's the, he's been the best clutch player in the league this year yeah it's and, and I don't think it's been close and I think that says a lot and and you know what and there's a lot to be desired about their defense and all of that but I think just watching this team as a whole you can see the energy shift with them and you can see them kind of really building and this is another one of those teams we're talking about like hey the regular season has mattered to them and it's going to pay off for them in the playoffs i mean they're going to have home court advantage danny i mean it looks like it i don't uh barring a massive slip like they're going to be right in the mix there like i don't know if they can do much in the playoffs but this is a great growth moment for them and you're just watching them grow before us like this is one of those teams incredibly fun and you got to look at mike brown again and just say like damn man like he probably should win coach of the year definitely at bare minimum in the conversation something sacramento is doing this year Matt Moore is actually the one who keyed me on this years ago, is teams that do well against the bottom of the league. Because the idea is basically if you can really rack up the wins there, like for example, the Memphis Grizzlies are 14 and 2 against the bottom 10 teams, including the glass net rating. That's a filter that you can do on clean the glass. It's really great. Sacramento, 18 and 7. That's fantastic. You, you, you get those wins, you log that, and then if you hold your own, you win some games like they did against the Clippers and you, you know, press the advantages. They, I mean, Sabonis playing through this thumb issue is, is also extremely important for what has happened in their season. That's the person. Perseverance of Sabonis. Maybe he got a little more fortunate with this thumb fracture than some of the guys who missed time. I don't know. That's not something I access I am privy to. But the ability to handle those opponents, to handle those games, it gives you a foundation. And then you can build off of that moving forward. And it isn't luck. It isn't happenstance. And you, you see some teams like that are below expectations there or that, that aren't quite doing it. And, and it's, it's an easy pitfall for you to get in. For example, Minnesota, 10 and 11 against the bottom 10 teams in the league. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's staggering. The, the, the one important thing for the Kings, and this is going to matter more next season than this year, is the, the step back season. Sure. Right. Like that. We've we've seen it so many times where a team looks like they they're breaking through. They make the leap. They have a big big run and, and a great regular season. And we all we're gonna go into. I can already see it, Danny, coming into October next year. Of like, oh man, watch out for the Kings. They whatever pieces they've added and this and that. They're gonna be really good. All of this stuff. And then they come out flat. 
And it's uh, Atlanta is a great example of that, right? Conference finals, and then the next year they're in the playing tournament. It's it's those kinds of things that you they got to watch for. But that's also future Kings' problem. That's July Kings' problem. Right now, the Kings just need to stay focused with what they're doing. And and to be honest, they're just on a great track. The growth trajectory is high, and this will pay off for them in so many ways going forward for them if they can kind of just avoid that trap next season. Expectations are really hard, and I got asked a question in a Discord chat on Dunkdown Prime about the Thunder for next year, and one of the things I brought up is like, I think they'll be good, but the Western Conference could be absolutely nasty next year. I mean, I do, my instinct is we're not going to see a ton of dramatic movement, but I've been wrong on that a, a lot recently, right. so we'll have to see. But a lot of the best teams should be similarly good if they can stay remotely healthy, and then you're going to see other ones in the mix. Like the Phoenix Suns, they should have closer to a full-strength year of, of this group. They didn't bring it together just for this year, and so then you have those teams, and then you know maybe a healthier version of the Clippers and the Lakers and the Pelicans. The Pelicans basically haven't been healthy all year in terms of their even just their three best players. So that is something to consider where it's not only like the step back in terms of you you had a great year and you stayed really healthy and there are things that are going to go back, but the field is going to change a lot. And that can be really hard to to deal with too. And another example of that for me was you brought up the, the, the Hawks and their run was emotionally for that Portland Trailblazers team that ended up with a fortunate bracket. They made the conference finals and got waxed by the Warriors who didn't have Kevin Durant available, but you got there. It feels like, hey, we made the Western Conference Finals, and then whether whether it was, you know, you were the best, the second best team in the conference or not, you got there, and that reaction, that evaluation is so important, and it's one of the reasons that I've been very impressed with the Memphis Grizzlies this year, even though their reaction I'm more interested in is not this regular season they're putting together, but how they handle the postseason. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the thing for all of these teams. Like, the that was my problem with, honestly, the Grizzlies at the trade deadline you know it's your the Suns made that massive trade and I go like you needed to match that and and we can talk about whether I'm crazy or whatnot the answer is I'm crazy regardless for a variety of reasons but the I looked at it going like yeah Kennard's nice I don't think that moves the needle that much for them and now there's another threat in the west that wasn't there a few days ago and and for whatever they've tried really to make big moves and couldn't get it done but that's one of those things like they can't stand pat and you know a lot of things I hear from Grizzlies media which may not necessarily be uh, from the team, but everybody's like, if they draft so well, it doesn't matter. Said, yeah, that doesn't help you win a championship right now, not next season. And I think those are the important things with, you know, it's, it's the Ferris Bueller phrase, which I'm going to butcher, but I still love the movie. Um, you know, you sit around and life's just going to pass you by. That's going to happen to a lot of teams if they're not careful in the offseason. You can't just rest on your laurels. Somebody's going to get to the conference finals this year and they're not going to they're going to be overconfident on their success and not make the change, the necessary moves that they need to make to be competitive next year because everybody else is going to be coming after them and they're not going to be ready for it. And I think that's a trap a lot of teams fall into. Uh, you know, the Blazers is a great example. The Hawks. Um, you know, the Mavs this year to me, you know, after last season's conference finals, same kind of situation. I think there is a, a teams can fool themselves if they're not careful into their th- how good they actually are. And I think that's an important aspect when they when they go into the offseason. On the Memphis front, there is a real danger. And I think back to it was a smaller scale thing, but the Warriors with Alan Smilagich of the believing, believing in your capacity beyond what is actually reasonable. And so there is a distinct chance that Jake Laravia and 
and David Roddy. And another one that's really important here is Zaire Williams. Yes, he battled injuries, but he has not been a play like he has not been a clear cut like rotation player, even a starter this year. And when he's been available, and you as the Grizzlies, you need to make give yourself as many outs as possible. And by that, I mean viable rotation players. And so. I like Kennard. I think he will make them better in the regular season. I think it's very easy to attack him in the postseason. And if the the phrasing that I use, you, you brought up Ferris Bueller, I'm going to do Game of Thrones, which is like, they're in the great game now. And what that means is when you are good enough to be a viable conference finals team, the evaluation lens changes. And it goes from this player can help you to can this player help you in this specific context? And that is against the four best teams in the league in high pressure situations where you get coaching and adjustments and potentially health can bounce around. And so it's a high bar. We see very talented players not make it every single year. Guys who are really good, guys who help the regular season, and all of a sudden it's like, well, crap. What are we going to do here? And sometimes players defy those expectations. It's always extremely encouraging when they do. But generally speaking, it's the severity of the flaws they can get there. It's it's how do they go into the scouting report. And for Memphis, there is a, a willingness to be like, oh, this will work out in time. This might be their best shot. I don't think it will be. But when you consider the shakiness of the West overall, and like I worry every time John Morant takes a bad fall, that... They, you know, they have this really good foundation. That doesn't mean you have to, you have five years for it because if you look back at where the league was five years ago, almost every single exciting young team has changed. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest trap everybody falls into. And I mean it as organizations. I mean it as players. I mean it as us in the media just going like, this is going to be a team that's going to be here for a long time. The We we kind of fall into it a little bit even with Cleveland, right? Sure. Like the opportunity to go for it, the opportunity to win titles is never as big as you think it is it's very rare you have a team that can stay together and be as dominant as they as the warriors were for five years right and in that they got lucky because the the cap spiked and they're able to get kevin durant there's some luck to a lot of these things and there's a lot of bad luck to some of these things in 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 those years like the year the blazers make the conference finals well uh, chris paul and Blake Griffin, they play in the first round. Those guys get hurt in the first round. Works out well for the Blazers. I'm hopefully remembering my years correctly. I think that's correct, yeah. Um, you know or, or you know what? It might have been the year before because that was the year Curry sprained his knee, I think. Because it was the same night Curry sprained his knee. I think the next day the Clippers ended up getting getting all those guys hurt. But whatever. It's in that sense of like the Clippers thought they had a really long, uh, large window. That thing shrunk on them very quickly. I think the – and it shrinks on you for a variety of reasons. So the – you're in the game now kind of quote is 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 perfect because you're in the game now you need to go try to win it now not next season not trying to build forward or whatnot your team is good enough to win the championship now you need to go do it and you need to go because you don't know what next season brings because as you said it could be as simple as a, a dude getting hurt on a wet spot it could be something small like that it could be anything so small and insignificant that could slam that window shut for a year and then you're then you're scrambling and i think those are the challenges those are the things teams have to think about a little bit more and i think us in the media have to be more careful with how we talk about some of these young teams because we always want to talk about the team that's next like oh this team's next this team's going to be great we want to position about how great they're going to be and 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 predict these leaps and a lot of times yo, like things go wrong just remember when do you remember when minnesota beat the the warriors 
the 73 win Warriors, uh-huh. you know, end of the season. And it was Wiggins. It was Cat. It was, you know, everybody was like, oh, they're next, man. They're coming on strong. And the expectations next year were crazy and all that stuff. And, and, and look at what we're watching now in Minnesota. And we're going like, OK, like they never really kind of delivered on that. Now Wiggins is happen- happens to be a warrior uh, with all of that. But I think there's there's just those expectations. I think we get lost sometimes of thinking the runway is a lot longer than it actually is for some of these teams. It's also so important to honestly self-evaluate. And, and the decision I get more critical of teams like the Grizzlies because they're really good. Like this isn't a circumstance of wondering if and when and everything else like that. And so they can get there. And I'm... I'm wondering where Zach Kleiman, where this front office goes from here. A lot of that will be influenced by what happens the rest of the season and, of course, the playoffs as well. And another challenge for Memphis, and they have bites at the apple, guys like Dylan Brooks and Zaire Williams, and obviously the growth of Desmond Bain has kind of put him into a different category. Fantastic. Of some of the things that Memphis needs to take to be that next level team are things that are incredibly hard to acquire and draft and develop if you want to do it that way too. That's, you know, like wing defenders, capable shooters, guys that don't really have severe weaknesses. And what it gets hard because, and it sounds like Memphis made a significant offer for OG and Anobi. I, I love OG. There are also some, some people who think he's more of a savior than he might be. But what they need, if it's not going to be the players they have internally, is extremely difficult to acquire because of scarcity. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the situation. That's what actually ended up screwing the Clippers to a degree, right? Sure. Two point guards they were targeting at the trade deadline got traded for each other in, in Mike Connolly and D'Angelo Russell. And you know what? Then they got stuck. That was two targets in one trade taken off the board for them. That hurts them, you know, and and, and, and the scarcity of finding those guys, you know, matters. And it, it, it makes it so hard hard in that stuff and in that valuation that's why you over you would have had to overpay to get og and anobi because there's not a lot of guys that can duplicate that success and you know i i was on the bandwagon of you got to go get og i felt like that would that with that team takes them to another level but that's their the 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 challenge for them moving forward you know is how do we fill that hole like when i was with the clippers we could never find a three our best wingman for the longest time with matt barnes and matt played his heart out and played really hard for us and you know to his credit but it we needed an upgrade at that position matt needed to be coming off the bench for us not starting at the 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 wing position for us and we just couldn't find a wing for the longest time and it's so hard finding that last piece so i think sometimes you're gonna have to overpay if you're a team like memphis to get that guy and things like that but it's i mean danny it, it's so fascinating watching how these teams are all going to build and how how differently everybody's going to try to go about it and how some of these you know we talked about the thunder and a couple of these teams when the young teams push that's going to be a key factor um we'll talk the last thing i'm going to ask you is about the the teams and the players are going to be watching over the next two weeks and i will start it with my own statement which is this I will watch more of the Phoenix Suns over the next two weeks than any team in the NBA. Zero hesitation. I mean, I damn near want to move to Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, I kind of just want to watch this. I, I am so interested in this team and what I think that could be in all of that. You know, other teams I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated to watch is I want to see. One, I want to watch the Knicks because part of me believes the Knicks are getting too much hype right now for their win streak. Um, and I want to see if they're real or not. I still think they could end up in the five seed just because, you know, Brooklyn's falling and, and you know, there, there, there's opportunities for them to kind of move up. But I, I want to watch them and see how real this team is going to be in the playoffs. And 
the other team I want to watch because I'm just fascinated by it is is the Clippers. Granted, sure. it's in my backyards, but I just I'm so into this idea of I want to see how this works if it's going to work because I think it's really important to the league that and 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 and, and I don't think conspiracy wise this this matters, but I I, I don't think anything nefarious is going to happen, but. The league can't have the Clippers win. They can't have an organization that literally gave the middle finger to the regular season for the past few years go out and then win a championship. And I think that's something that's kind of important. And I think they've put themselves in a bad position with how they set themselves up. So I'll be interested to see how they finish out the season. The last one I'll add in is keeping an eye on the Bucks because my current operating theory is that health permitting, the two most likely champions are the Celtics and the Bucks. Just I, I think who you know whoever makes it out of the West is going to be playing extremely well and be a really good team. But those two, I think they have a lot that that works together. And so we still kind of getting the Bucks all the way. They've been great, but if they can get them all the way operational and be like, okay, is this is this a top tier, tippy top tier title team? Is going to be extremely important, and I'd like to see that more over the next two weeks, and then of course z- zoom in on them even more after that. Yeah, I mean, I I think part of the reason why I'm not that interested in the Bucks and the Celtics is I expect them to be there, <laughs> you know, and, and and maybe that's a a, a false uh, uh, false I, a flaw in my own thinking, but I just look at them going like I expect them to be at the conference finals. You know, I'm I'm interested in can Philly find a way to break through, and I don't think they can, but I I'm I'm fascinated to kind of watch that more than them just because we know what the Bucks are and we know what the Celtics are at this point. Everybody else has questions they really do i will thank you so much for taking time it's always a pleasure to talk to you mo oh, i love coming on thank you for having me danny thanks again to mo de for taking the time to come on you can listen to him on the athletic nba podcast including with the awesome nerder crew seth partner and dave dufour and you can also just I mean, he does great work everywhere writing for bleacher report his twitch and one mo thing are incredibly valuable it helps me understand the game in a different way and you can also if you don't already you can follow him on twitter at mo dakeel nba under sorry there's an underscore in there i will read it out m-o-d-a-k-h-i-l underscore nba truly love having him on and mo is also i will give him praise as being just a fantastic short notice guest as well sometimes so mostly that's my own incompetence but sometimes i get into tuesday or wednesday and go oh crap i never lined something up and then mo is most perfect for that and and other things of course um and then that usually inspires me to get going for the next couple weeks which maybe i'll do over the next couple days we'll have to see if you want to support the show there are a lot of different ways you can do it you can subscribe download every episode whatever podcast player you use can find a way to do that really useful for real gm radio because it's always about my availability and guest availability there is no schedule it's not a tuesday show or anything like that you can also help other people find the show word of mouth social media leaving a rating review in the podcast player if you're choosing all of those are much appreciated and the single most important thing you can do for real gm radio and any other show that has them is to check out our sponsors for this episode that is betonline.ag use that clns50 promo code to get yourself a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that's fantastic and also to tell them that you came from us and that allows them and theoretically other advertisers to keep doing that on this podcast and, and on others and that's why i encourage it for the ones that you care about which hopefully includes us you can also check out my other work dunked on and dunked on prime is we're, we're full throttle back after the break now did a huge not 15 and 60 it was 15 and i don't know three four hours because we had so much game breakdowns and film i did i did film on players like malachi branham which was actually pretty fun um to watch some of his pick and roll film and then 
we did the first part of our awards, so MVP, All NBA, all that, and then we're we have the rest of that, and we're going to do some. Right, we're going to presumably talk about Kevin Durant's first game, and then we have the. NBA strategy stream. We have another one on Friday. We will do have done three in seven days. We're doing Knicks Heat on Friday, which would be awesome. May even have something additionally awesome about it that's still being ironed out right now. But Knicks Heat, I believe it's 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Hopefully you can check that out with us and you can ask questions using the hashtag NBA strategy stream and they will be on League Pass if it's good enough to air and they pretty much are. And you can also check out my written work at The Athletic. I have a couple of different things in the pipeline right now um, that aren't quite done yet. So they might not be out by the rest of this week, but maybe early next week, um, depending on when I get things together. Let's put it that way. If you have any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com is the way to get it to me. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That is an absolute promise. I try to get back to people, but I'm not always the greatest at that. That's why I think of it as feedback rather than a conversation. That's why I phrase it that way more accurately. And that is all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day.